seen a lot of uh, Scottish football on television uh, back in Holland. And uh, of course, uh, you see a fantastic uh, arena here. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, interesting to come to uh, Scotland and uh, play for Celtic. Hello and welcome to the Vitamin Celtic podcast, the daily Vitamin Celtic podcast. My name is Lord Stonigan, and I'm joined today by my good pals, Mr. Paul Thompson and Remy McSwain. How you doing, Paul? I'm very good, Lawrence. Uh, just keep keeping busy doing nothing. Uh, very good. Uh, Rem, what's your uh, coronavirus diary for Friday the whatever it is? Uh, same as Paul. Nothing. Just try to get through the day and playing records, uh, general fannying about. Uh, it's... Uh, Still, it's a weekend and I can do it all over again tomorrow. Uh, well, it's 9.56 here in Northern California and me and the wee man have already played nine holes of golf. So, uh, there you go. Uh, no rakes in, in the bunkers, no holes on the green. So, no flags, obviously. So, quite good, though. Uh, nobody on the golf course. Perfect. Here, uh, here's a... Co- how, how many days, Remy, has it been since Celtic played? Uh, 20, I think. Aye, some of that. Oh, you must have read I couldn't believe that when I read it. Unbelievable. No, it was three, week, three weeks ago, and it would have been a Saturday, so because it was at home at St. Mern, so it was three weeks tomorrow. Aye, that so, is. A, kinda, kinda, I'm, I'm quite good at sums. Uh, but that's uh, that's just amazing, isn't it? Uh, 20 days. Um, yep. A lot has happened since then. One a lot the, longer than that, though. Uh, absolutely. Well, no, no, but Donald Trump, we're all going back to church on Easter Sunday. It's going to be a beautiful a beautiful day. We can all stand around and give each other coronavirus. It'll be brilliant. Um, anyway, no politics. Uh, a lot of things has happened in the last 20 days, one of which is that uh, we, the uh, Celtic podcast, launched our own little um, uh, GoFundMe. Uh, what is it? GoFundMe? Yeah, GoFundMe, I think, for uh, raising some money. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, or if you have listened to the podcast, The Daily Show, uh, raising a bit of money uh, for uh, the Celtic Foundation. All the money, every single penny, goes to the uh, to the Celtic Foundation, Tony Hamilton, and they'll be they're doing some good work uh, around people uh, involved with the coronavirus uh, stuff and people affected by it all. Uh, maybe if we're really lucky and we um, remind our P's and Q's, we might be able to get Tony Hamilton on. What do you think? What's the chances, Paul? I think there's probably a pretty good chance. I think uh, Tony would be happy to come on, I'm sure, and tell us what the what the club are, what the foundation are, are spending the money on. And uh, I, I know he's busy, but he's, he's already said if we if we need him, he's, he's, he's happy to come on. So that's good. Oh, he's joining the dark side over here. wonder what we'll say if we start teasing the board or something like that. <laughs> well, no, we'll mind our P's and Q's. Anyway, so far, we, we stuck it up yesterday. We're not making a big deal of it. I think they put out one tweet a day. If you've got a couple of quid, uh, just throw it in there. Uh, and if you don't, that's fine too. Uh, it's all good. So far, do, do, is it, do you sort of brag about how much your things raised, Paul? I, I, what's the etiquette around this kind of stuff, Paul? Okay, I don't know if bragging's a word. I, I, I'd just like to say we're probably... We're grateful for for anybody that's that's managed to to chip in so far. I think we're sitting at just over thirteen hundred pounds just now, which in what eighteen hours or something is, you know, we're, we're pretty chuffed with. So you know, hopefully we can keep that going. And you know, people have been very generous so far. We know there's uh, a 
few people have contacted us to say how much they've been enjoying the podcast and we know things are tight but yeah if you've got you know a couple of quid you can afford to, to chip in that would be brilliant yeah question for this you is right? like uh, this is like comic relief but we're better jokes isn't it? <laughs> the, uh, we'll be pissed in about three years with Terry Wogan the, uh, <laughs> so one thing I want to ask you right? How, how's your new car? <laughs> <laughs> The money doesn't come near us. It's all all automated and, and goes straight to the charities. Uh, I think there's a there's a lag period where it, it, it goes through the the, the system, but, it, but it will all reach the yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, not so, bis- biscuit turn under the bed. The uh, anyway, brilliant stuff. Uh, we'll crack on. Uh, quite a bit of uh, we're gonna start today. Well, we've obviously, we've got a bunch of questions from the Q and A left over. They would keep us going for a month, uh, but. <laughs> uh, bits and bits of uh, new new news. Uh, the big news is that uh, I don't know if it's us uh, egging them on, but Celtic FC uh, the Twitter feed have certainly and the uh, Insta feed have started upping the content. Uh, although we'll, uh, we'll well hang on. they've upped the content. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, the one thing which is uh, I like. Well, the big thing is the uh, is uh, they're now doing a countdown to the daily quiz on the Twitter feed. Rem, have you tried the daily quiz yet? Uh, I've seen it. It's uh, it's a bit easy. Is it? I only got two out of six. I think I got or one or two right yesterday. Um, I mean, you don't watch games. It's, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty easy. I mean, it's. it's I don't know whether that the age they're aiming at, but you know, it, it's pretty simple, especially uh, with all the multiple choices. Uh, so there's that. The there's a uh, Christopher Julien did a. Did uh, an interview? I think it was on Insta. Was it Insta? No. Yeah. Well, it was on everywhere. It was Jerry. It was a. I said, looked like a hostage video. To be honest, our Jerry McCall looks as if he was. Um, if uh, he was, uh, he was being held captive, but um, didn't say very much. But he looks looks pretty well. Has he put on any weight, Julian? I don't know about uh, Jerry. Um, the other thing, uh, Calm uh, McGregor. Did a message to the fans from the treadmill. <laughs> did you see it? Did you see it, Rem? Uh, no, but oh. I, I did see somebody, somebody replying, stop running, Callum. <laughs> he can't get enough. <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. He's probably been running solid for three weeks. <laughs> uh, uh, that's because that's Callum heard last night that we were talking about the 10 and 60, so he's getting himself fit just in case he's needed. <laughs> the, uh, he's out the back, slide tackling his mum and dad and all that. Get, get his big brother. Uh, anyway, he's jogging on the treadmill. Uh, he also did a Q and A. Seek it out uh, with the Celtic View fans were uh, fans were supposed to send in their questions, and he answered them. Uh, nothing sensational in there, uh, but you might want to go and look at it. There was only three questions answered. I, I refuse to believe they only got three questions. We got we got about ninety or a hundred questions, uh, so I'm sure the Celtic View got a lot lot more than that. Uh, but they only they only answered three. The big one though is the uh, which is quite good actually is the treble treble challenge. Uh, so it's keep you up eight three on your feet, three on your knee, three in your head. You've got to do it three times. Uh, what's your chances, Paul? Uh, I, I could probably do one of them, <laughs> maybe not simultaneously. But, uh, I'll I certainly have a go at the foot. Is that it? Pathetic, Rem. I know. Listen, I'm I'm way I'm way past that. Uh, Skill level. The uh, Rem, could you actually do it? Do you think? No chance. Really? I don't have a ball. All right. (laughs) (laughs) 
the uh, the ones I saw. Uh, uh, is it John McStay? I didn't realize he's part of the setup. Anyway, he set the challenge. Cal, uh, sorry, Ryan Christie. He did it. It was quite funny. Uh, he does the first two really well. It's his first take. Does the first two really well, and then on the third one, uh, the pressure's on, and he, he gets the headers, you know, not quite right. It sort of rests on his head, and he just, just turns the he goes to the camera, and turns it. Oh, that's good enough, and turns it off. So uh, anyway, get, if you haven't done the uh, Celtic uh, Twitter feed treble treble challenge, get on it and post a video. You might go on the. Uh, I might try it myself and see if I can go on the, uh, the Celtic Twitter feed. Uh, are, you, are you not banned? Oh, I am banned from the. Oh no, banned from uh, uh, subscribing to Celtic TV. Uh, I was it, going to say, just send it to Lloyd Cole, and he'll he'll post it up for you. <laughs> still banned. It's it's date. Well, I don't know how long I've been banned because only noticed yesterday. It blocked rather. Still still blocked. I haven't checked today, but um, well, guess what? See when he unblocks me, you know what he's going to find. I blocked him. How about that? What a twist in the tail that'll be. <laughs> Fud. Um, anyway, uh, and uh, wider news, uh, another meeting of the, uh, I missed this, but uh, Paul, uh, SPFL uh, board met today. Uh, any news from uh, it? S- SPFL member clubs. All oh, right. They met, by, they met by division. So so the, the top, I think there, there was four meetings and uh, each of the divisions met, uh, obviously, to to discuss next steps and, and talk about what might happen. But can BBC covered it, but didn't really talk about outcomes just obviously highlighted I think and in to what we talked about Aberdeen and Hearts I think Hibs have come out this morning also and said that they're uh, they're in a probably slightly better position but still a, a, a fairly serious position in terms of what happens next so it kind of feels like it's coming towards some sort of conclusion fairly soon Um, yeah just I <laughs> I, we've talked about this, but I think they're just waiting for UEFA or somebody to do something so they don't have to. They they're not the ones that have to uh, take a decision. The mm-hmm. um, the other uh, well, there's a there's a ton of UEFA and English Premier League stories k- kicking around. You would think that they'll be the two leading uh, lights in in moving ahead. Um, I guess along with Spain as well, but uh, Spain and Italy. Um, but the UEFA stuff, uh, a couple of stories. One is that uh, as a source, uh, who reported? I think Alistair Barrett or something. Anyway, uh, UEFA sources saying that uh, you leagues around here, you better not uh, void your leagues because that'll, you know, that's going to cause problems in terms of uh, of uh, you nominating clubs for European competitions. And if you don't have a champion, then we, you know, then that that's that. You're you might not get in our competitions. Um, so UEFA seem to be very much against voiding. Uh, what's the thing in their realm? Why are UEFA... Are they just trying to protect the quotes-unquote integrity of their uh, competitions? I've got no idea. But, um, I just think that... I mean, obviously, I think they want to finish their competitions for this year. And they want the teams that qualify to go into next year's. Um, I just can't see. I mean, I think there'd be too much money having to be handed back if everything was voided. Uh, I think that's maybe a big problem. Money that would need to go back to sponsors and TV companies, and they wouldn't. 
they wouldn't finish this season either, possibly. So they might need to repay all that. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's just a mess just now. And, and there doesn't seem to be any any decisions coming out yet at all. Everybody just seem to be crossing their fingers and hoping for the best for June. Uh, that story came from a guy called Chris Williams, a football journalist uh, at uh, AIPS Media, UEFA. He works for UEFA and FIFA.com. Um, sources at UEFA, leagues who void seasons could find it difficult to nominate for the Champions League and Europa League, especially if other leagues comp- complete their competitions. Non-completion could lead to non-qualification. Could be seen that teams did not qualify if voided. And it also brings in coefficient issues. Uh, there's a story in the record. Uh, I don't know how much store we put in stories in the record these days, given that it's just a Rangers broadsheet. It's free sheet, rather, not broadsheet. Uh, free sheet. Uh, saying that uh, regardless of what happens, uh, cl- uh, Scotland, uh, you got to put a kilt on it if you're working, you know, for a Scottish paper. Scotland would uh, the coefficient points earned this this year would would remain. That's hard to believe, given that if you, know, you it, if you void a league, if you are, that can't happen. Well, of course not. And, and uh, can you imagine if uh, if I'm say I don't know which country Scotland knocked down this year with the coefficient points gained. If the Champions League and Europa Leagues are, were voided for this year uh, and, Scot- and Scotland, for instance, was able to retain its coefficient points gained in a tournament that never took place, I'm sorry, that's uh, I-, I would be straight to court or straight on to the lawyers. Uh, I've just thought of something else that would impact in UEFA. If everything was voided, then the European Championship would be... Oh. Problems as well. That would How be. How do you replay that? Oh, anyway, as you say, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff kicking around, and and in that vein, a lot of stuff kicking around. I don't. Ro- Roger Mitchell. I don't know. He must be very bored. Uh, hold up in uh, Como in Italy. Former CEO, chief executive of the SPFL. Here's what's. I didn't. Re- I didn't realise he's a Celtic fan, Paul. Did you know that? Okay, I, th- I think he. When it suits him, oh, is that right? <laughs> he, he, he pops up, and I think he just he, he likes a bit of contrarianism. Does does Roger? So uh, I think he t- just likes to to chip in now and again for that point of view. Uh, on the basis that we don't really have a, hu- a huge amount to talk about in terms of news, well, I'll read you his tweet and we'll see what you think. Both of you think. Uh, here's what Celtic should do: is an g- incorrect use of the question mark, by the way, Roger. Uh, for the ultimate bragging rights, ask. To null and void, uh, ask for null and void themselves, and offer the other clubs soft loans in Scotland to get them through, even to Rangers. Why? Because we'll still get ten in a row, and we'll also have eternal glory and a moral high ground. No what aboutery or what aboutery, as he would say. Rem, what do you think? Uh, I think when you say he's bored, I think he's pissed. Uh, no chance. Um. We talked about the Celtic trying to help uh, the league out and or leagues out in some kind of way. Celtic, yes. Celtic don't want the league voided. I know that. And no, no. Why should they? Um, but, and there's still an option to play it. Uh, although I, I, my only thing, I, I, obviously they shouldn't null and void the league, but I, I just don't see us losing the league. I mean, if it's so what, just another year delayed. But I, again, I don't. I'm not saying that because I want it. I'm just saying he has a point there. Uh, Paul, what do you think of Mr. Mitchell's contribution? Uh, not, not a huge amount, to be honest. I, I think the 
the interesting point he's failed to grasp is around leaving aside the voiding thing. You know, that's uh, you know just nonsense. But the the piece around the soft loans, we talked quite a lot about that yesterday. But in the scenario where you void it, Celtic will be in a fairly precarious potential financial situation. I'm not for a minute suggesting there'll be 50,000 season ticket holders battling down their doors, but you would imagine there would be some justification uh, from a legal perspective for uh, for people to look at their season tickets and think, well, I've just paid for a season that never happened. So, A, do I get my money back for that? And B, why should I bother paying for a season next year? So I think Celtic are going to have enough on their plates dealing with the financial ramifications of avoid season if that happened before they could go and, and give soft loans. I think the, the soft loans thing happens more likely in the other scenario, which is Celtic are looking forward with a bit of you know, certainty and financial stability and, and potentially can help, which is what we talked about yesterday. But you know, the, the, the void scenario takes any option off the table for Celtic being able to help anybody else because we will be... Uh, on the on the hook for quite a lot of money, I would imagine. TV companies, sponsors, uh, hospitality, uh, you know, and players, bonuses, you name it. Uh, even going down to players, I'm sure players have got boot deals where they get you know paid on the number of goals they score. So the day goals count. Oh, it's a it's a what a mess. Um, in fact, I, I saw a story last night. You know, if the season is um, null and voided. The money that has to be paid back. I think I saw it in reference to Rangers. Rangers would be on the hook for, I think it's three three point four million. <laughs> uh, to you'd have to give that money back if it, if it was prorated. If the league was called now, it wasn't. If it was if it was pro, if the league was called now, prorata Rangers and I don't know why it was a Rangers story, but it was would would have to give back three point four million. Um, That's because I've got five home games left. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, here, uh, we'll crack on. We've got the Q&As. Um, we've got a million questions. Uh, and we got through some of them yesterday. We'll, we'll have a crack. We, we'll, 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 the podcast shouldn't go longer than an hour, so we'll just do go through these questions and see how far we get. Um, first one up is actually related to that. It's from uh, Franco Boy, that's Francis 67670259. Uh, thanks for the question, Francis. Good question. Uh, my children and I are season ticket holders and any spare money I have goes into supporting Celtic. If, and most likely, the remaining games do not take place, are Celtic legally bound to refund the cost of the remaining games? And if the league is void, a full season ticket refund? I, I, neither the three of us are lawyers, Uh so let's leave the legal uh, aspect to, to one side. I'm, I'm sure Harry, if he was here, he would have an opinion on it, uh, him being a, a barroom lawyer. Um, our Cel- let's change it to our Celtic morally bound to refund the cost of the remaining games and if the league is void, a full season ticket refund. Paul? Uh, I think morally, they're certainly... I don't know if they're bound to refund. I think morally they would be faced with a dilemma around next year's season tickets. Do you offer some form of discount uh, in lieu of refund? So I think it's the same net effect, Lawrence, in terms of I think the club would need to give something back to the fans who've invested this season and plan on investing next season if you're not getting the number of games. I think Remy made a good point uh, when we talked about this previously, which was that at this stage we don't know how many games there will be next season. 
because we don't know what the league's going to look like. We don't know what the the structure of that league will be in terms of teams and how many times everybody will play each other. If it's a truncated league, does that mean that you know season tickets pro rata become more expensive per game? Uh, it would, you know, based on the fact that we've already published the prices for next season. I, I think morally, yeah, I think the club would need to look at what they could do for fans. Rem? Uh, I agree. I, I, I actually believe that legally they have to reimburse us because Is... the games have not taken place uh, and you've paid in advance for it. So it's, it's like if you bought a gig ticket and the gig gets scrubbed and wasn't rescheduled, you'd get your money back. Um, so I think legally they would have to pay you back. Can I just interrupt you there? Just as you said that, I think one aspect of the story was that the way our season ticket contract was written, I, I, I don't think that's the case. I, I think our season ticket contract is written differently from uh, from Espanyol's season ticket contract. No, I think I think you'll find okay. that it's the other way around. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Well, the yeah. book... They, I, they are not going to. They are going to do everything they can not to reimburse. Now, is that what it is? Celtic, Celtic can't just turn around and say to uh, you know, legally or morally they will have to offer either a refund or, as Paul says, a discount in next season. And they have to offer that to every season ticket holder, um, and that's going to be a fair chunk of money. Uh, and that's why, like Paul said earlier, what we can't Celtic can't handing out soft loans and doing X, Y, and Z until they actually know what financial position they're going to be in themselves. I mean, what, what's the position, for example, if these games take place behind closed doors? Oh. Yeah, so nobody knows, you know, technically we're not getting in, well, not technically, we're not getting into those games. Right? We, we might get a free stream or something like that, but, you know, we probably need our money back. But I would imagine that most supporters would say, I'm willing to write it off. What I think most supporters would not be saying, if we void the season, I don't think, I think most supporters would just say, oh well, tough. I'm not asking for my money back. Well, you say most supporters... On, on, the, game, on, on the games played. I mean, not the, not the four games we haven't had. But I don't think... And Celtic could say, we'll give you a pre-season ticket next year, but then that, that absolutely destroys the revenue destroys them and they can't do that the uh and you say that say there's four home games left yeah 50,000 season tickets you say most fans will but there will be a you know there will be a section there will be a, a, well, of course a they will. yeah of course they will. the guys that go to two games a season will want their money back because they're not going to get, get to one of them but the, the other thing we've got to bear in mind is you know some of that 50,000 season ticket holders and, and I hope not a huge amount but some of these uh, guys and girls are going to have lost their jobs and, and might not be getting their jobs back so you know you know, like the guy who's asked the question here if let's say it's somebody with a couple of kids if they've got 90 quid a game times four invested in it and they've just lost their jobs you know nearly enough 400 quid is a lot of money so, so you know it might be the case that guys who wouldn't normally have thought twice about asking for money back might just say well I need to because I need to feed my family you know yeah, I agree with that but Paul I, I will I just want to caveat that and say that remember a lot of the kids are in, in £50 season tickets aye fair point no, that's a fair so, point so that it, it's not a, that, that money's already been spent it's sunk 
and people might only be due what uh, sixteen quid, they might not take it. I'm I'm just you know uh, the the other thing. Just sorry, interrupt. The other thing on the on the voided season thing. Now season tickets is is one thing, right? But you think uh, how many how many home European games have we played this season? Ten. Oh, Nine. Aye. I forgot about that. So, so every one of them, we probably paid an average of, with the exception of the first one, which I think was on the season book, we yeah. probably paid an average of between 20 and 30 quid a game for yeah. every one of those games. So there's another 250 quid. So not only your season ticket money you would need to write off in a, in a voided situation, but you would need to write off all the cup. And, and that's before you get the away tickets. That's just simply looking at the, the money to go through the door at Celtic Park. And then there's plenty of other people, you know, Remy being one of them, who go to pretty much every away game. So you've got the same situation. You know, some guys have been at 40, or some guys and girls have been at 40-odd games this season. Uh, and they're gone. That's gone. Or maybe, maybe more than that, 50 games. Here, um, I wouldn't mind, my, just, money. Just I wouldn't mind my money back for the Copenhagen game. <laughs> the uh, I, I I've lost the will to live during this question. I have to be honest. <laughs> the uh, right. right. You sit and watch on three bloody streams. That's why. Uh, no, no. Uh, the uh, so here we go. Uh, let's line up uh, from uh, Maestro two uh, thousand ninety nine. Maestro, what's your favourite moment of the banter years, Rem? Actually, no. I'll go first because you two talked interminably there. I like the uh, the the, boy, the Rangers fan with the same old Alawa always cheating. I I never. <laughs> There's that one, <laughs> and the other one is uh, who was the wee fat boy that went to Derby? Ended up going to Derby. Oh, no, I. Martin Wycorn. Wycorn chasing the ball to the to the Benny Hill theme tune. <laughs> Was a, that was two two absolute belters for me. Uh, Remy, you can go. It, my, mine never changes. It's when they set up the the fund for donations, and thankfully they didn't do our GoFundMe when they set up the page for Mr. Custard the Clown. And uh, <laughs> was he one of the creditors? Custard the Clown? No, it was a face painter, but Mr. Custard was getting all their, their donations to save the point. <laughs> the uh, hopefully so that this will encourage somebody to repost uh, Martin and Wycorn. That was uh, fantastic. Uh, Paul, your favourite moment of the banter years? Oh well, I like Jala <laughs> as well, but uh, probably one of my favourites was was the Charles Green Christmas message <laughs> when he, he did like the the Queen speech, but but for the hard to thinking. That was that was a that was a comedy classic. <laughs> that, it was brilliant. It, it still is brilliant. But that it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was every. Uh, uh, I mean, remember Jim White going to the hospital bed? Remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Laura Kunzberg oh, will be doing that with Boris Johnson soon. That'll be that'll be her one. Oh, it was uh, absolutely uh, brilliant. Uh, Here's uh, Stuart McCann. Ask uh, Stuart McCann ninety one. Should Craig White do the Paradise Windfall draw when this is all over? 
I have to be honest, I absolutely hate Craig White. Uh, I think he's an odious little guy oh, who thinks of nothing of fucking over people's jobs. So I, I don't like him. Um, and, you know, Murray wrecked them. Um, so, and he's another odious git. He's not for me, sorry. Uh, I don't think the, the the question was serious. Can't believe no, you. You've just you've just come across this podcast like a dark cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Custard, even clowns have dark moments. Can't be funny all the time. Have you seen Joker? Uh, okay. Uh, uh, this is Stephen. It's uh, green green seven ste green six. I don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, green seven ste Stephen. Uh, Remy, you're an accountant. Uh, try this. If a club goes into administration, how can it come out without an income stream? Because the people who buy it put money in. So, for example, they will inherit. They will inherit the bank balance, assuming there is one. They'll inherit the well, not inherit. They'll buy the bank balance, the debtors, the assets, the stock, and they can sell all that. Plus, they'll put their own money in. So. If you bought Sevco brackets in administration, close brackets limited, you'd be buying it based on the fact that you would probably be taking season ticket money in about three, four weeks. Um, actually, there's a couple of questions related to Espanol. Because you, you won't be, you, you'll be, the thing about the creditors, right, you're getting into administration because of the creditors, but you will not be paying the creditors in full, if at all. That's, that's you get round paying creditors and you might lose a lot of onerous contracts through the administration so you can afford to run it even with no income oh you'd have to start you dip into your own bank account wouldn't you dip into your own bank account right so you you loan you loan them the money or whatever whatever way you want to do it you, you put your own money in and you will your aim will to be to get that back but you're probably buying it because it's in distress very very cheap so again, I've completely out my depth here, Rem. Uh, so if I'm Douglas Park, why wouldn't I put uh, Espanol into administration? Why wouldn't I do that? You know, from his perspective, I mean, I know why he wouldn't do it, but from but from his perspective, you know, why pay a hundred pence on the pound when I can pay eight pence on the pound? It's the same entity. Pretty sure they'll be having those discussions just now, because there have been very, very strange, you know, in in the current, you know, that they're usually in the papers every day with somebody mouthing off, but there's not been anything coming out of there of late. Um, you know, and if Aberdeen, which, for example, and Hibs, which are far better run clubs than they are, are admitting to problems, then uh, you know they. They, well, they'll have met their payroll yesterday, but they must have severe problems for next month's payroll. Uh, interesting. A couple of questions uh, related to that. Uh, uh, Paul Moody, uh, sort of reason, uh, he asks, will Rangers die before the league starts up again? And somebody else, will there be an, an insolvency event at Ibrox before Easter? Again, a resident accountant. You can never tell because you don't know who's who's funding them. You, you know, you don't know, for example, whether close brothers have rolled over their loans, whether 
King's company have lent them money again, whether the gang of four or whatever they've called have dipped into their pockets again because because they're not on any stock markets anymore. You don't get any information out of them until way after the event. So somebody may be funding them, and if somebody's funding them, there will not be an admin or an insolvency event. But if people can't put their hands in their pockets and they can't sell season tickets, it's a long way to fund them with your own money. And the thing is, if you, you're lending the money and you want it all back, then the first thing that happens with your season ticket money is it just comes straight out of the, you know, straight back to the lender and then you're gumped for next season. Uh, what they effectively need to do is learn to live within their means, but they can't accept that. And the reason they can't accept that, Paul, is what? Uh, vanity, uh, misguided sense of importance, uh what else? <laughs> uh, superiority complex, all the way above. I mean, they, they they don't think of things financially. Uh, they think of things in terms of their their. Uh, I wouldn't even say reputation. It's in terms of their past glories. I mean, if you look at King standing up at numerous ADMs, numerous interviews uh, with uh, with the press before he got control of the club and and after, and saying, look. We're not going to fund this like a normal business. We, we're going to we're going to kind of overfund it. We're going to run it, uh, you know, as a loss making business because we want to win trophies. Now that that makes no sense, but that's what they've publicly come out and been cheered for by the investors. Who ultimately, there's two levels of investors at, at, at that club. There's the guys who are pumping in the the, the Lethams and the, the parks and supposedly the King family in terms of what they're pumping in and then more importantly from the day-to-day operation it's the fans they, you know they're bleeding them dry uh, but that's what they want to hear because that's why they, they, they went through what they went through in the first place because they, they chased things that they couldn't afford and they're just doing it all over again um, Cracking on here I've got a uh, bar Thornwood the Thornwood bar that's one of your Hello uh, Mark Hello uh, Mark um, Hi Mark Where's the uh, Thornwood Bar, Rem? It's in Thornwood, funnily enough Lords. Uh, But where, where g- g- give me a street Hartick, Hartick, it's in Dumbarton Road Alright, okay uh, well, Broomhill, it's probably closer It's probably called Broomhill, but it's at the end of Dumbarton Road uh, Well, sir, this is quite a good question And we'll get some light ones in after this This is more of a kind of business question Will Celtic win the league wearing New Balance or Adidas? Well, if they have to, if they agree to finish out the season, even if it's after June, they'll they'll have to wear New Balance because it's the same season. Um, I, I was going to say we we'll, we we'll win the league wearing our slippers. Oh, very good. <laughs> Here, I just thought there. Uh, you're, I think you're obviously right. Right, if they restart the league, uh, even if it goes past the end of the contract date, I'm, sure, I would imagine we'll have to wear New Balance, but. The start of the there was an idea kicking around the spa, the Spanish appear to have some sort of timetable organised. Uh, although God knows, um, no matter when the, this season finishes, they would have a two week break, and then the next season would start. Uh, so Celtic won the league. Say Scotland went the same way. Celtic won the league, and two weeks later, where, where it's the new season starts, and we're out in the Adidas kit. Uh, what about all the seats and everything? That's a stupid thing to think about. But I was, you know, all this you'd have to change all. Moving to Adidas, they're going to have to change the seat patterns and all that. 
Uh, that'd be too much of an issue. I know it's not, but isn't it? Uh, you know, it's just one of these things. Anyway, listen, uh, Paul, you've done a section here on nostalgia. Um, oh, that's a great question from Francis Trainer, but I can't think off the top of my head without researching. As we deal with COVID-19, discuss Celtic's best and worst number 19s. <laughs> Good question, but I've no idea. I can only think of, I, I don't I don't get hung up on numbers. I think it's all the crap. Um, for example, I would never retire a squad number because it's just American rubbish. But the only number 19 I can remember is still Ian Petro. I, I researched this one. Oh, did you? Go on. You? you are pathetic. I, so what a sad loser I, you are, by the way. I, he collected all the questions, bit like the money. There was only, there was, there was only, I think it was five. Uh, the first one was, who was who number nineteen before Stan Petrov? Oh, I don't, come on, just give us. No, yeah, Colin Healy or somebody. Brian McLaughlin. Right, what wouldn't be him then? Uh, Brian McLaughlin. Uh, remember Fred Johnson, the Icelandic yeah. boy. He yeah. was a nineteen, uh, and uh, current nineteen is Mikey Johnson. Uh, and my worst one is the one who wore the 19 before Mikey Johnson. Go on. Current Rangers target. Oh, Scott Allen. Scott Allen. There Did you he go. wear number 19? There you were number 19, eh? Oh, I won in 9, 10. There you go. Um, so there you worst go. Is definitely, uh, let's just say, apart from Petrov, I mean, Johnson's got potential, but you can write off the rest of them. Um, who was the Icelandic boy? Was that the big tall striker? Or am I? I'm getting confused. Uh, no. Fred Johnson was a he was a midfielder. I, I no, know. he was a, he was a striker. He signed to be bought for a hundred grand, and I don't think he ever played a game. He was on the bench a few times. I, I might have been on the bench. Who was it that came on? There was one guy who came on in a six 0 game down at, at, at Kilmarnock. Who was one of the Icelandic or Norwegian? Bjarnason. Was that Bjarnason? Yeah. Was it, uh, I'm getting her mixed up with him. Uh, here's a good one from uh, Peter Carraher. Uh, Peter Carraher. Uh, Peter, thanks for the question. Favourite Celtic goal of all time and why? Paul. I've said this a few times on the podcast. Tom Rogic uh, in the, the first right? treble cup final. Just the, the occasion, the, the drama, the, the fact that it was... It was uh, such an important goal for us. The emotion, being with my pals and ending up in the telly and oh, that whole day was just one of the best. But that, that goal, uh, it's probably not the best goal I've ever seen, but in terms of the, the most I've enjoyed a goal going in, that's got to be well up there. Uh, I'm going to go for Nakamura's free kick. Uh, actually, we're talking about the views from the North Stand. I, I was in the North Stand that night. A uh, great view. I was j- just edged to that side, uh, for the you know the, that half of the park uh, where he took the free kick. Uh, I noticed today, uh, Callum in his uh, Q and A with the Celtic view. Callum McGregor was a ball boy that night. I never knew that. Um, well, just technically, it was a great night. Uh, it was a right good, cold, crisp night. Um, crowds. They were what a team they had as well. Boric's penalty save, but the uh, yeah that goal, what a just unbelievable. Yeah, I I I got a lift, believe it or not. I was in the you know the skybox that hangs off the south stand. Yes, I was, I was in the skybox that night. No way. Aye, <laughs> it was full full of Man United fans. Um, 
And when we got the free kick, I actually said to them, he'll score this. And they're all like, get no chance, no chance. And I, had, when he scored, I did a knee slide and I had the suit and the collar and tie and everything on. I had a tenor in Nakamura, first goal and last goal. So uh, I was quids in. And uh, after the game, you left hospitality. You leave quite late. And uh, no taxis back into town. And I saw a wee uh, Japanese guy getting in his car. Uh, and I asked him if he was going into Glasgow City Centre. And he said he was. And I asked him if he could give me a lift. And he said, no problem. And he took me in. And he was a, he turned out he was a student at Glasgow Uni. And he wrote uh, articles every week about Nakamura and his time in Glasgow. So he was getting paid to be there. But I gave him a, a tenor when I got into town and you know, thanked him profusely. And as I get out, he says, oh, you know, no problem, nice to meet you. And I said, uh, Arigato. And he says to me, oh, where did you learn Japanese? I said, cheap, cheap trick life at the Buddha. <laughs> I thought you were this wee, I thought you were going to say this wee Japanese guy offered me a lift and it turned out to be Nakamura. Uh, no, no, he was a really, really nice wee guy and it must have been pretty terrifying for this steaming guy staggering over him asking him for a lift, but no, he was brand new. I uh, I don't know if I've said told the story. Uh, the Nakamura uh, just wandered down Byers Road. I was out for baking rolls or something very early one Sunday morning in the, December or something. It was freezing, frosted, or the snow had gone black and it was frozen and I saw this you know, family walking down Byers Road looking miserable as sin and a wee girl and you know, mum and dad and a wee girl and it was Nakamura and his missus he just looked so depressed oh poor guy uh, what, what was your uh, favourite goal Rem? Uh, it's not technically the best or the most aesthetic but it's, it's Larson's and against Bo Vista oh come um, on that's a shocker that goal no, it wasn't. I will. <laughs> I'm talking about games I was at. I mean, I, obviously, probably the best goal was is Chalmers in, in uh, Lisbon or, or Gemmell in Lisbon. But you know, for a game I was at, I mean, domestically, I don't. I I don't even think Larson's best goal domestically was in the six-two game. It was a diving header against Dundee United in the League Cup. It was a League Cup semi-final, a Scottish Cup semi-final. Sutton walloped across in for the corner flag, and he. He had a diving header, which he scored from an unbelievable angle. Was it not? Was it not off the front post? He was. He was actually beyond the front post, wasn't he? Oh, it's just a phenomenal goal. I mean, that, that it, it just uh, that that to me is his best goal domestically. But the best goal I've seen was the one against Boavista, just because of what it meant. And uh, my, my favourite Larson, favourite Larson goal was the. Do you remember the the League Cup? O'Neill's first season, the League Cup semi final against the Huns at, at Hamden. Yeah, he, he, he chipped Stefan Kloss on the eighteen yard line and basically ran round him and tapped it in as the <laughs> ball came down. It sort of landed inside the six yard box and he waited till it came down and just tapped it in that way into the open goal. That was just beautiful. Oh god, I'll never forget that. And then my got sent off. <laughs> um it's a couple of good ones. Chris Jones, thoughts of Jones. Can we have a feature-length podcast special where Lawrence reads out the names of every single player in the Slovenian, Greek, and Azerbaijani leagues? <laughs> I would actually, I would pay for that. <laughs> Listen, we, should, we, we should have got a good, good fund on that. We'd be able to take 
uh, he, here's one. Uh, I'm reading it and I just, I'm just trying to think now, but maybe you guys have got an answer. Uh, the one player we were... This is from uh, Ace Chromatic. Uh, it's Daddy Boy? Something? Baddy Boy or something? Uh, Baldy Boy. Baldy Boy, right. It's just it's faded out on the thing here. Uh, Baldy Boy, thanks for this question. Um, the one player we were linked with but never signed, who would you pick? I would go back to the 80s. Uh, when we were linked with both Aberdeen centre-halves and both Dundee United centre-halves. And if we'd have bought any of them, we'd have, we'd have really had some team. We'd have won the league every year and competed better in Europe. Any of them. So Miller, McLeish. Hegarty and Neary. That would, that's four really good centre-halves, aren't they? Yeah, if we did one of them... You know, could dominate in the air, for example. It would have minimised boners issues as well across balls, and it would have tightened up our. Def- you know, we had McGrain in the defence at that time as well, so I mean, we had good players, but we really lacked a dominant centre half. I-, I just think if we did one of them, we'd we did domestically we'd have won everything, uh, and we'd have been a force in Europe because they were Dundee United and Aberdeen were far more effective in Europe than we were at that time. Who did we have centre half back then, Rem? Well, Willie McStay, some games. Tom McAdam. Uh, Big McGugan. Just, come, uh, just coming out of the Roddy McDonald phase at that point, weren't we? Oh, my goodness. Um, Graham Sinclair played centre half as oh. well. You know, we just we just didn't have centre halves of the quality that they did. Maybe more. Which, meant, which meant we could have, you know, we just, we just couldn't clean sheets or whatever I mean we still had a really good team and we had some fantastic players but we just needed a better better defence uh, here's one from Scouse Tims always see him uh, he's always very nice on the Twitter feed thanks for that mate uh, it's in the post-crisis uh, category of questions uh, Which what other Scottish club is best placed to quotes gain from the current situation Paul up to this morning, I thought it was probably going to be Hibs. Why is that? I know uh, Hibs are. I think we talked about them before. They're, they're a well-run club. The, financially, they they squirrelled away a lot when they sold. You know, they sold the land around Easter Road at a, an absolute premium a few years ago. They've got a cracking training ground down uh, down the east coast. They've, you know, their stadium's finished. They've not got to invest any more money in their stadium, but like the Aberdeen have, uh, and that you know. Obviously, they've got the, the top coach in the country. Uh, so uh, they, they've come out today and, and said, you know, it's a fairly optimistic uh, approach they're taking, saying, look, we're in a better place than most, but you know, we can't afford this to go on for too long. But I genuinely think I, th- I think Hibs are on the are on the cusp. Of, no, part, no, no greatness, but I think they've got the, the opportunity to, to to build a, a sort of decent legacy down there. They're, they're a well-run club. You get any by, by the way, Paul, I don't know if what happened to your sound here. You, you sound as if you're calling in from the submarine. Um, oh, sorry. There you go. That, <laughs> that's better. Das boot. Uh, das boot. Uh, Rem, which club? Any ideas? Can I do my breaking joke now? Well, I guess you can, eh? <laughs> uh, well, well, see how they're in trouble uh, going bust. But I think they'll be in a good place soon because they're going to get bought by a hedge fund. 
You can actually link that back to the bank banter years, remember the shot of the ball lying in the hedge. <laughs> oh, after that joke, I've just had, I've just looked at the uh, GoFundMe account. It's gone down. People are taking the money back. <laughs> you need to pay them all back, Paul. Uh, I, <laughs> you need to sell that car, Remy. Uh, right, uh, we're running out of time. Well, we're not. We still got fifteen minutes. Uh, or there'll be absolutely nobody listening at this stage. No chance. Um, the uh, hey, hey, Lawrence, Lawrence, yep. it's not going to be the worst thing it's released on the internet today. Bob Dylan's got a new song. Oh, uh, 17 minutes long as well, eh? <laughs> 17 minutes long. There's a great question from uh, Juco James, who I follow on Twitter. He He's a guy who does all the stats. Uh, it turns out he's some kind of stock market guy. Um, What are the... Ch- I'll read this question out, right? But you don't have to... He did a great piece of an analysis of... Uh, of Brown's uh, contribution statistical in a statistical sense compared to McGregor's contributions. Um, he asks, what are the chances of that a 35-year-old Scott Brown is a starter in European group games next season? And if any of the panel agree he should be, why don't they believe in ageing curves and science? <laughs> so the second part of the question, I, I, get, I get what you're saying there, Duco. Uh, and I don't know if either of you two saw the piece on the comparison between Brown and McGregor. It was yeah. uh, it was pretty staggering. Uh, Scott Brown, a starter in Europe next season, Paul. Uh, to be honest, it depends on on who we have available to replace him. Uh, I get absolutely what what Duco's getting at there. Uh, I think the problem we still have is we're over reliant on him, and uh, we play well enough when he's not in the team these days, but he does seem to always be in the team for the big game, so we've not really tested our resilience without him. We need to do that fairly soon, and you know, you've got uh, the players we've already seen this season that are available in the central midfield, and we've still got Sorrow, who's not played a game yet since he arrived in January, and probably we're not going to see now till, till whenever next season is. Uh, who was brought in supposedly as cover for Brown as well. So we need to start, you know, testing that resilience without him. I wonder, and I think Brown is, uh, I don't know, but I get the impression that he's humble enough and uh, smart enough uh, to to realise that, you know, his uh, minutes have to go down shortly. I mean, I think we could still use him next year, Uh not sparingly is the wrong word, but I mean he's he can you know domestically I think he's, he can still cut it. Um, uh, but in these big European games, I mean Callum McGregor is is a, an ideal replacement. I think uh, people have thought I've always thought well maybe defensively he doesn't cut it, but he actually does, uh, and he is uh, he uses the ball better. He's got more energy than uh, 34, 35 year old Scott Brown. Does more running. He's got the respect to the rest of the team, uh, and I would I would like to think that Scott Brown is uh, is self aware enough to to understand that uh, his role will be uh, become increasingly diminished, hopefully, uh, or if not, then I would imagine that Neil Lennon would be strong enough to tell him that your role will be diminished, and you know you can contribute to the club in other ways, but something has to happen next year, and we we have to, I'm not saying move on completely, but we have to. You know, start to move on, Ren. 
Uh, I noticed the question was specifically about group games. Um, I think Brown is okay in the qualifiers because we're playing against much lower level teams. Um, and I 100% accept Paul's point about who is available. Um, but Brown at the top level is on the wane. Uh, and it's pretty plain to see if and you watch the games. He can't play at that level if he's less than 100% fit. And even then, he struggles. If you turn them and get past them, he ain't catching you. Uh, and I'm afraid, for, for me, it sounds like Alex Ray there, um, he, we should be looking to replace him for European games next year. I accept he can still do a job domestically, but in the European games, but you can't just say, well, he'll play in the SPL and uh, say in Cham's playing in Europe, because that'll not work, because in Cham will not be getting the games. Um, but you know when you need to rotate players, I think Brown has to become one of the players that rotates in and isn't one of the key eleven anymore. It'll be an interesting uh, test of Neil uh, Lennon's management. You know how does he handle that situation? Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting though. He's already talked with me. I'm a coach when his contracts up, yeah. so you know maybe that is will be part of the incentive to help him ease out and transition him out. But as Paul says, we don't know what sorrow's like. Uh, you know, obviously he's been kept for next season or maybe after the the restart. Uh, but uh, you know, we do need to replace Brown, and it's through no fault of his own. He's he's getting old. His game's all action, all energy, and he, you can see his legs are starting to go. Although he's done interviews denying it, but you can see in games that it, against better players that it, his legs are starting to go. The, the thing, the thing is, we, it's a long time, but we have managed now. You know. Legend, legendary or, or very big players, captains. If you look at Boyd and, and Lambert, for example, I think O'Neill dealt with both of them in a very, very professional way. Where he, he you know, they were they were kind of mainstays at the start, but they, they kind of slowed. And eventually, well, I think Boyd hardly played under O'Neill. To be fair, but uh, Lambert, Lambert, Lambert got a year in Lambert got a year in Germany on us. Aye, at the end, Lambert, Lambert basically got sent away to do his badges and uh, and came back and played the odd game to, to when he had when he was on a break for his coaching. But it, it was it was done very well in terms of you know the the relationships were kept well and Boyd and Lambert are probably still still guys that speak very highly of Celtic and the way they were treated there. So you know I, I don't think Brown's going to get treated in any disrespectful oh, way. Oh God, you hope not. <laughs> it's, it's, no, I think. Well, I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened last year when he had the chance to go. I mean, he had the chance to go to Australia. And Lennon's been in the, the press the last couple of weeks talking about that time and how delighted he was at Brown State and how he's helped the club and helped the team. And, and he is a he's a fantastic leader. You know, it's time catches up with everybody. But you know, I'd I'd like him around. Certainly, he needs to be around next year to be part of you know hopefully what will be the ten. Um, I agree. He deserves. He deserves to be part of the squad that delivers the ten. I, I, I'm not writing him off, but I think that in the higher level games, he's becoming more of a liability than an asset now. Uh, anyway, what a servant! What a contribution! Unbelievable! Great player. Yep. Great captain. Just apart from the incident eating pizza in this in Rose Street. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, here, there's a bunch of these questions. We'll just read them out. We'll not answer them. They're just taking an absolute piss out of me. Uh, 
Oh, so, no, you should answer. No, 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 no. <laughs> they're, they're the ones from me and Paul. Aye, so <laughs> Celtic Wiki's got one. Who has the biggest influence on postmodernism and popular culture? William S. Burroughs or Alan Burroughs? JC, <laughs> 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 uh, John C underscore 18, JC, Jack Ross, Alan Burroughs. Who's Lawrence's favourite Scottish football diddy? Uh, <laughs> uh, Pedro K11 uh, If Harry Brady is the Paul McStay podcast Who would Lawrence be? <laughs> uh, somebody said that Who was it somebody said the other day? I can't remember Anyway, uh, I can take it uh, I don't care um, Couple more Uh We'll have one more from Nostalgia and then we'll finish with a serious one, I think. Uh, the Nostalgia section is... Uh, did we do favourite Celtic pub? No, okay. No, no. Right. Okay, this is from Hugh, Hugh Gears. He had one yesterday. Gears Hugh, uh, at Gears Hugh. What's your favourite Celtic pub and why? Who's going to go? I'll let Remy. Paul go because I'm hoping he says the one he's going to say and that means I'm not doing the same one. <laughs> well, the thing is, we, we pretty much drink in the same three, so it's, <laughs> it's going to be one of them. Uh, I, I'm going to go for McCool's. Thank uh, God. Which, which is uh, more more because it has has dual meaning for me. It's, it's a, a frequent pre- and post-match uh, haunt for me and my mates before and after games, but it's also a frequent pre-gig haunt for me if I'm at a gig in the city centre, predominantly the Barrowland, but uh, if I'm going to some in Candlerigs or something, I'm always in McCool's before it as well, and I've had some some great post-game and post-cup final nights in there, and uh, and the guys, Nicky and the guys in there are all brilliant, so it's, uh, it's one of my favourites, yeah. I'm going uh, to, I don't know, Remy, you're, uh, I guess, heritage for me. Uh, That's what I'm going for. Oh, is, is mine. Yeah. Just uh, mostly from. Well, I didn't stay in Glasgow, f- you know, that much. But you know, the kind of eighties, late eighties, second half of the nineteen eighties. Just going there uh, after all the games, all the Glasgow University crowd. Um, great pub. Although I remember at the time it didn't have a women's toilet. It's got a women's toilet now, Rem, hasn't it? It has got a women's toilet, which is basically a, a door into one oh, uh, one cubicle. It's uh, it's still pretty basic, but uh, it does have a women's toilet now. They don't have to go to the Alison Arms anymore. Oh, brutal! Anyway, so Heritage, give us your give us your pitch for Heritage. I, I love Heritage. Uh, I used to live above it uh, in early to mid nineties. Uh, I probably lived in there for about three years. Uh, I still go back uh, after every game at Hamden. <laughs> still, still see the same old place. Faces, but they're all twenty-five years older. Yeah. Um, played for the football team for years. Um, still know loads of people in it. It's got a great the bar manager Danny. The last well, I think he's still a bar manager. He was a, he was a best, he was a brilliant bar manager. Uh, it's a great pub. Uh, I watched the the two thousand and eight uh, UEFA Cup final in it, uh, and uh, it full time the whole pub burst out into Zenit's a grand old team to play for and it's just uh, tremendous great memories of the place I, I love it to bits 
Uh, here, quick, there's some. Actually, not all the questions were taking the piss out of me. There's a few of Remy. Uh, can you ask Remy if he? <laughs> can you ask Remy if he rates any other player or team in the SPFL or, in fact, world football? Because every time a player is mentioned, he says they're shite. It's, it's well, true. To be fair, every most teams in the SPFL are shite. Uh, I do rate other teams, uh, and I do rate lots of players, and I actually rate a few players in Scotland but it doesn't mean they play for good teams and it doesn't mean I'd want them to play for us. Right, who do you rate in Scotland? Couple, give us a couple of names. Hold on. Steve Davis was a good player. Uh, Barisic is a half-decent player. Um, who's the guy? What's his name? It'll come, keep going and it'll come back to me. There's, oh, a, yeah. there's a couple of half-decent... I, I quite like Brophy at Kilmarnock. I think he's a decent player. I don't think he's good enough for us, but... For what he does, he's a he's a good player, and uh, there's a couple of half decent young players coming through. I know you like the guy at Hamilton, but I think there's a couple of quite good ones at Hearts that might might make it. But the problem with Hearts is you know they throw guys in really really early, like Harry Cochran, and kind of ruin them, uh, and they, they play them too early, and they don't. I mean, you look at all the great Hearts youth teams; most of the players have gone on to do nothing, um, but they they've got a couple of I think potentially good players. I think Cochran could still come back. Uh, I think he think... could, but he's been set back by me. That, that game against Rogers, that, that was two and a half years ago. He's out and loan at, I think it's Dunfermline or no, something. No, it was Wraith Rovers, he got called back. Was, Rovers, yeah, right, when, I mean, when the new manager division, came in. Right, that's Division 3. Yeah. Right? So he's gone to the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's dominated Scott Brown. You know, Brown got him back the next game. And his career has gone backwards. Yeah, no harm to the boy, but you know, we've got a tendency to bum up our young players and look how great they are. And some are, a lot of them do not make the next step and fulfil their potential. Uh, that, that's why I like uh, Lewis Smith at Hamilton. He's kind of right. He, I think he's only nineteen right now, but he just keeps on getting better and better and better, and and basically rising without trace. Uh, I think uh, he's got serious. <laughs> The, the couple I like at Hearts is a guy called Andy Irvin who I think will be a good player he looks really composed in the ball and he, he plays a lot of 5 and 10 yard passes but in a sort of heat of a midfield battle there sometimes are the hardest passes to play I think he's quite a good player and uh, Lewis Moore I think has got potential as well uh, Quickly East Midi 93 who does Remy think his cultured left foot is most comparable to <laughs> Mo Kamara <laughs> Mo Kamara or Barry Robson <laughs> Well, the good the good thing is I know who E Smith ninety three is. Uh, Elliot, right. Right. he's a goalkeeper. And what I'll say about Elliot is he's the only goalie I've chipped in a five a side goal. <laughs> Very good, right? But, and he was standing up. Uh, last question. Uh, finish with a serious one. Uh, quite appropriate, I guess. Uh, Angus Gibson, uh, Gibson. I think it's Gibson A, O eight. Do you think Celtic will come out of this in a stronger or weaker? position Paul I think it'll probably be I think it'll be neutral I think everybody will come out equally weakened if that makes sense I don't think Celtic will necessarily be certainly not going to be strong financially because we're going to have to eat in air reserves we don't know where we're going to be players wise because there's so much uncertainty in contracts but I think in comparative terms, and even in comparative terms with Europe, not just in Scotland, I think everybody's going to be in a similar boat. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that's 
the best outcome we can hope for is that we're we're, we're no worse off than anybody else is. I, I well, say we're at fifty and other clubs are at fifteen. Say we're at forty and other clubs are at fifteen. If everything drops by fifteen, those other clubs are gubbed, and we're yeah. down to twenty-five. So coming back from a position where you're gubbed, and it's hard to imagine that this is not going to put a, a, a quite a substantial number of football clubs across Europe out of business. Uh, hopefully, touch wood and all that, Celtic won't be one of them, and hopefully none of them do, but you've got to face up to the reality. I, I think relatively, the better run, uh, more financially stable clubs will come out of this, will, will come out of this better relatively. Um, so, again, just not sucking up here, uh, we never do, but you have to really be grateful to the way the people who've been running the club, stewarded the club in recent years, uh, have have managed it, uh, you know, in a situation like this where something awful has happened, we are pretty well well placed to, to survive it, unlike uh, a lot of other clubs. Remy? I, I agree with Paul, I mean... It... I don't think it's definitely not a good thing, and it's a it's a horrible thing not just for Scottish football but world football. And even and I know we're talking a football bubble, but I mean it's it's, it's just horrific for the whole world in, in economic terms as well. Um, I think a lot. If it, the longer it goes on, the more clubs are going to go to the wall, and obviously we will not. But the thing we keep heart, all harping on about is we want a league to play in at the end of it. Yeah. Um, because if we don't have a league, then what do we do? I mean, it's it's only been three weeks. How how bad are we all missing football? We all we all climb the wall when there's an international break. I mean, this is just terrible. I mean, we we all just want football back. And, you know, we we, want, we just want to keep playing again. But uh, I, I think we are going to deplete our cash reserves quite significantly. But you know, we are the biggest club in Scotland. We will probably hopefully playing in the Champions League next year so we can get back pretty quickly. So we might be neutral just now, but I'd say by the end of the year we might be positive. Um, anyway, that's from a Celtic perspective. The uh, Hopefully every club is fine. I know you're kind of bitter. Well, I know you were, you were going to say that. Uh, but uh, you kind of hope that every club in their own way makes it through. Um, the uh, Here, Paul, this is something... That, We've spent, I don't know how much how much time we've spent preparing for podcasts, more than usual, uh, and recording them and editing them and promoting them. And, you know, are we just being silly? I mean, football, existential question. Does it, it seems to matter even more to us when it's not there. I mean, are we being, have we got our priorities all, all wrong? Best way I can answer it is to look at the feedback we've had on the Twitter feed and the DMs, and you know, I can speak for the feedback I've had direct from my mates. Uh, people, I think, are just looking for something at the moment that gives them a wee sense of normality. <laughs> and if we're normality, then things aren't great. I know that, but uh, <laughs> I, I think genuinely, one of the things I've two things it's been quite good fun for us because. We're all in the same boat as everybody else, you know, different things happening with jobs and home and isolation and all that. And it's a nice wee distraction for a half an hour a day, an hour a day, however long it is for us. You know, it's no, you know, it's obviously you're doing all the hard work doing the upload and that, but for 
for Remy and I, it's I'm, I'm speaking for myself here, but I've been enjoying it. We've had the chance to talk in depth about some stuff that we wouldn't normally. But I think for people, I hope for people who are listening, it just keeps keeps people in touch with with what they would like reality to be, as opposed to what reality is just now. And I'm I'm happy to try and keep doing that for for a wee while longer. Um. And you know we're not right. We're not going to talk about ourselves. Uh, but you know we're doing it. But it's not like we think football is massively important or anything like. It's not uh, in the greater scheme of things. But anyway, it's, what else can we do? I'm quite enjoying our new special guest, Albert Camus from the Ratlock There, existential <laughs> goalkeeper. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, right. So that'll do us. Uh, wrapped up. Thanks for the questions. I know we didn't get to all of them, but uh, we did our best over two days. Uh, but maybe. Uh, I, I, I pal Harry's not feeling too great. Uh, I, maybe we'll get him on next week, and we'll throw a couple of him if he's uh, if he's well enough. Uh, we've got a bunch of guests lined up for next week. Uh, I think so. We're going to give it another go. One more week. We said that the t- last week, didn't we? Well, shall we give it one more week, Paul? What do you think? We'll, we'll, we'll definitely do it next week. And, and, and apart from anything else, it'd be nice. You know, people are have been donating to the to the foundation thing so if we can keep that going certainly you know maybe try and get Tony on at some point towards the end of next week or something as well just to talk a wee bit about that to people and, and explain what that money might be used for as we said so I am I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere next week the uh, right here if he's listening uh, Neil Lennon you can come on the podcast <laughs> it's Neil, can you imagine Neil Lennon listening to this pitch <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he, 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 well, any Celtic, any Celtic support in golfers we could go on and just well, you could do the two podcasts at once. We'll get, we'll get on as well. Big Stevie Galler, oh, a great lad. Uh, oh, he's a great lad. Here, uh, we'll just finish off uh, to mention we put out one tweet a day on the uh, the Bynamit Celtic GoFundMe account. All the money uh, goes to Remy's. I mean. <laughs> Well, it's like you said earlier, we can see Paul on Skype when he's sitting on a new couch. Long. Very nice. No, uh, so, see, before we come on, those driving, new driving gloves, those leather driving gloves you were talking about, how much are they going to cost you? <laughs> right. Anyway, let's see. Uh, Paul's in charge of the GoFundMe account. All the money goes to the Celtic Foundation, and uh, they are doing some good work with people affected with coronavirus. Uh, so. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, if you have been listening to the podcast, I noticed we blew by, uh, Remy, we blew by our 150 episodes. We never even noticed. But we've been doing yeah. this for a few years now. So we're up, I think we're up about 160 episodes. So if you've listened to any of them and you've got a couple of quid, stick it in the GoFundMe account. It goes straight to the Celtic Foundation uh, and the great, the really great Tony Hamilton. Uh, so I think that's about it. Paul, good to talk to you, pal. And you have a good weekend, guys. Same to you. All the best, Ram. See you later, Lawrence. Have a good one.